0: Esports is one of the fastest-growing industries in the world, and this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the Future of Marketing in Esports. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the future of marketing eSports. I am pretty excited to bring on my guest today. Recently, I was able to talk with Adam Booth over at Picks in the UK. And to go in the trend of talking to people internationally, I welcome Fid McAwesome, who's the business development manager at GGWP Academy in Australia, coming from New Zealand, and welcome so much, FID. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: It's awesome to have this conversation with you. I think, you know, in full transparency to all of my listeners, I'm on the advisory board for GGWP uh, Academy, and FID and team over in Australia, we've had a lot of really kick-ass conversations about the influencer strategy for Twitch streamers within the esports and gaming ecosystem. And when Fid and I started getting to know each other and having conversations, we just realized that although we live on the opposite ends of the world, quite literally, there's so much synergy in regards to our careers and working within the gaming and esports space. Tell me a little bit, Fid, introduce yourself. And uh, tell the audience about how your career has evolved from influencer marketing to working in gaming and esports.
1: Yeah, I've been working in marketing in general for a very long time. So I'd say my first foray into working in marketing was actually way back in the days um, when I was a store manager at a supermarket. Um, we were the first supermarket to like start a Twitter account and a Facebook page, and started doing advertising via social media. Like back then, all of our marketing was, you know, brochures getting sent out to mailboxes and uh, ads in your local newspaper and things like that. So we were one of the first to really get involved in that, and um, then basically everything after I left that role has been a marketing role in the internet space. So my wife and I started a company, uh, an e-commerce company, which uh, selling uh, electronics and stuff like that. And the way that we grew that was 100% through Facebook and Twitter uh, and all just different marketing campaigns and strategies. And then I went on to work in the education space, doing education, doing. sorry, um, marketing. Uh, I was a social media strategist and advisor for uh, the marketing department there. And then my way of getting into uh, the gaming side of things was actually via journalism. So I was a tech journalist at the same time while I was doing all this and uh, getting further and further into the gaming side of journalism, mainly because I'm a passionate gamer myself. I've been playing video games. Literally my first ever gaming console was the Sega Master System. And I've been playing video games ever since then. So the moment tech started to cross over more into the gaming space, the closer I got with that. And then I started doing some really cool things, like working with Xbox New Zealand on uh, marketing campaigns, worked with PlayStation on some marketing campaigns, worked closely with the likes of Bethesda and that. And then uh, as things sort of progressed, it was... I ended up just by chance at an event, I actually was flown over to Australia for a a launch event for Lenovo computers. Um, Shit, this would have been about six years ago now. And just by chance, I was talking to somebody and they were like, hey, we're actually getting ready to launch um, a gaming laptop, the first gaming laptop that Lenovo had ever released. Uh, we need someone who knows something about marketing and gaming and influencers and the whole marketing space. And because I've been living in that world for so long, they offered me a role to move over to Australia. And so my first project was literally um, launching Lenovo Gaming. Were you, uh, work,
0: Lenovo? Were you like part of Lenovo's team internally, or did you do
1: no, that? So I, was, I was working at an agency at the time. It was okay. an agency that hired me. It was Lenovo's uh, agency based here in Sydney. I uh, actually worked uh, very closely with a guy that you're actually good friends with as well, uh, Jeff Palumbo. Yeah,
0: love so So, uh,
1: worked with Jeff on uh, the launch strategy for uh, over here in Australia and New Zealand, and uh, to the point where. Jeff and his team actually emulated what we were doing here in Australia because we rolled out an amazing influencer strategy that I think at one point we had 19 influencers just in Australia and New Zealand and all the uh, marketing was done purely through influencer marketing. There was a bit of paid support, but the word of mouth of uh, the product that ended up taking Lenovo from being basically 0% of the market here. And I think my last check when we were still um, running that, program was i think it was 17 percent of the pc market was lenovo computers at the time wow. um and so and like i said that was in like a two-year period zero to a, a massive percentage but at the same time because it's agency world right so you're never working on one project yep, uh, yep. we also launched intel uh, gaming as well over here and that was super successful and uh you know working at the likes of PAX getting influencers to create influencer content we did some really cool stuff with some international influencers as well Like we worked with the guys at Rooster Teeth and stuff like that and basically off the back of those both those successful launches uh, I founded a uh, Australia's first gaming influencer marketing uh, agency and ran that for 4 years it's still running to this day Um, It's been a super successful company. We've worked with a heap of publishers, EA, Bethesda, uh, Ubisoft, and all those sort of guys. And yeah, I've been working in the influencer space and gaming for a long time and and esports as well. And then, yeah, as you said, start of this year, I uh, got a phone call from Jax at GGWP. She was telling me some of her awesome plans and asked me if I was interested in coming on and helping them roll out the second part of their company or the next era of their company. And uh, so basically I was super excited by what they were doing and what their vision was uh, enough so that I literally I walked away from the company I founded to come over to GGWP because I do think uh, what GGWP is doing and uh, what we've pulled off in the last few months as well has just been phenomenal. uh, And the vision going forward is amazing as well. Like it's seriously, I watch this space uh, with this company. We've got so many cool things coming.
0: I love it. I will tell you that there's a few different things that I would like to talk about that we can just splice up. Number one, Jeff Palumbo and his team at Lenovo fucking love them. Number two, which actually ties into Jeff and his team, which is purpose and then agency and marketing. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how we break all this up because we both came from the agency perspective and we are informing an esports and gaming strategy based on what we learned within the agency world but then like low key if i could make a living working at a grocery store facing shelves I would do that in a heartbeat. Do you guys call it facing shelves at a grocery store? Yeah, we
1: do. We do. So this goes back to my days of actually managing a store. Let's start start from our
0: life, like where our lives started. Let's talk about grocery stores. I fucking love facing shelves in a grocery store. There's nothing that gives me greater pleasure.
1: Right. And there's nothing that annoys me more. And I haven't been in a supermarket, like working at a supermarket for years. I'm talking like 20 years possibly.
0: Yeah. Same. At least 20 years for me. Yeah.
1: And still, if I walk into a supermarket, especially at the end of the day, when you know that people have, you know, it's been quiet and there's still staff walking around, if the shelves are not well-faced, I'm like, well, what are you guys doing? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I hate it, it. I, I also hate it when you see people standing around talking in a supermarket and the shelves don't look there nice. yeah, yeah 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 and You're the like, shelves don't look nice
0: fix your shelves
1: yeah 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 but um I, I i'm exactly the same right it's where i really wish some days where i could just do a nine to five where you clock in go do your job it's the same job every day but the people are awesome that you work with generally wow. and you go home at the end of the day and you don't have to do Zoom calls. You don't have to stress about any campaigns. You don't, yeah.
0: I What I liked about, well, what I liked about working at a grocery store, which was in my high school years, was that um, I would look at a pallet of boxes that all needed to be stocked on shelves and faced, which yeah. for listeners who don't know what facing is, it's just taking... The, the pulling the oldest products forward to the front of the shelf in a uniformed way and taking the newest products out of the box and pushing them all the way to the back and stacking them in a very uniform way. Yeah. And there's just something about my personality that really enjoyed taking an entire forklift of boxes on a pallet and bringing them into the store and by the time I went home in the morning or in the middle of the night, because I worked kind of late nights, they don't like they don't want yeah. you to do all that while people are trying to shop. So it was usually a later night shift while I was in high school. And just feeling a sense of immediate progress. And I will yeah. tell you in my professional career, which has a lot to do with marketing and sales, whether it's sports or esports marketing, the... It takes sometimes four to six months to see the fruit of your labor.
1: Hundred <laughs> so percent, and even then, sometimes you can't active. even. And sometimes you, you're the only one who pats yourself on the back with yeah this this business, right? It is because yeah. uh, essentially more often than not, what we do is for another company. So that company gets all the credit, the pat on the back, and stuff like that. And you sit in the background and go, "I did a good good job." But when you do a good job at the supermarket, someone else walks through and go. This shop looks amazing. You did a great job.
0: When you don't drop like an entire jar of mayonnaise on the floor, yeah, you're like a golden day. Like, you, you know, win. do you
1: know the other thing? This is completely unrelated to esports or gaming, but I still to this day think people that work at supermarkets are some of the most underpaid and overworked and but hardest workers I've ever known.
0: Yes. Yeah. I actually really, really loved working at the supermarket and like pre social media days. Yeah, My brother, who's almost eight years older than me, he worked also at the supermarket in the produce section, which for some reason, like all the cool guys worked in produce. I don't know what That's it was.
1: It's the same for our, our, our supermarket as well. Yeah,
0: like all the popular boys in yeah. high school worked in the produce department.
1: And they're always the guys that eject as well because they're the ones yeah. who have to lift crates. And- oh.
0: So late at night, they would make these mock commercials and I remember like, and they would put them on VHS tapes. Like this totally ages me to the like mid nineties. Yeah. They would record them on like VHS, like the whole, like hold it reels for their, um, for class, like for school, and they would do these projects and they would make, I remember this one was a Nestle crunch mock commercial where they stacked up this entire tower of like Charmin toilet paper. And then somebody was hiding behind it and then somebody like bit into a Nestle crunch bar and as soon as they bit into it the whole toilet paper thing fell over like the crunch of the Nestle crunch <laughs> was powerful and i thought it was so cool like it actually made me want to like work in advertising yeah i remember that moment and i was probably in 6th grade at the time that my brother and his friends made this project for their senior project in high school but then that brought me into really having a passion for like being entry level at an at an advertising agency and starting to work in agency marketing and sports marketing, which for some, by the grace of God, I was able to work at a creative agency and the accounts that were assigned to me were more sports and entertainment related.
1: Yeah. So I, I took the long way around to getting into the agency life. Right. Um, like I said, like I, I think I would have been in my early 20s when I started working at the supermarket. I had kids very young. My wife and I got married when she was 19. I was 20. And so when I left uni, I went straight into working in factories and then uh, ended up at a supermarket and ended up store managing that supermarket. So literally like all that time where normally someone would be building up to a career in marketing and advertising, I was doing laboring and stuff like that and it took me a very long time to get to where i am cuz i came the long way around but i don't have any regrets for the way i did did it because i feel like i came into this world with a different background and a different point of view than a lot of people
0: yeah it was your time like, i, I didn't but
1: i time. didn't i didn't grow up i didn't grow up in uh, advertising and marketing so i didn't have the rules Put on me, so mm-hmm. I think people that come through university and stuff, training to work in advertising and marketing, they they always tend to be a lot more stringent about this is how you do things and this is why you do things. Whereas I think coming from a different, completely different background, you come in and you've got fresh ideas and you break the rules because you don't know the rules.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really open. I'm really open with my personal brand and my podcast of making sure people understand that. Although I have a podcast that's about, about marketing, I don't have a marketing degree. I only went to school at the university of Minnesota for about a year, taking general classes. And I've taken, like, I take classes, you know, for fun. Like I take things, I educate myself. I'm a lover of learning, but I didn't take a traditional pathway. And if I had stayed in school for four years, there weren't, Social media management and event production. They weren't classes.
1: They didn't exist.
0: Because innovation evolves quicker than the scholastic ability to create programmatic courses Mm -hmm. for students. So I've always written like
1: Rebecca is our generation.
0: um, We wrote the digital wave. Like we wrote it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, and when Facebook and Twitter came out, like it was the next myspace we didn't know if it was going to last
0: no i i I honestly remember working at this digital agency space 150 and todd bartz who was a designer was telling us about facebook and we were all like all in on myspace and we're like we don't really know what you're talking about like i remember that moment that was really early 2000s like we don't know what this Facebook thing is, but we've like have our top song and our like favorite friends. Like we don't, I don't need your thing that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Like the cusp of the entry of new emerging technology. And I actually made a Facebook post today about my daughter who she's 21 and she was, um, she had a lot of followers on musically. Yeah. And then Musically got acquired by Facebook. So she, or not Facebook, uh, tiktok and so she was invited into the tiktok creator fund and uh so now because she's been a part of the tiktok creator fund from day one anytime she makes a post there's a likelihood it's not always that it can take off and so like today she made a post and was like a skateboarding video from the skate park and within two hours she already had half a million views on this one little like post that she had a clever song and a fun little edit and it just kind of blew up and some of her videos get over 6 million views and some only get like 300 like you just don't really know but if she would have gone to you know traditional uni and started trying to study a specific thing and not paid any attention to her social where she already had a little bit of traction since middle school and high school like would her views be this high like I'm very non-traditional. I I just am like, lean into your passion and do what makes you feel alive. And that kind of brings me to this Lenovo discussion of how you did amazing things at an agency with Lenovo and, and Jeff and his team. They're very focused. Jeff is very focused on purpose. And I would love for you to share with me like your purpose, like what drives you in this space? What, what keeps you kind of always on?
1: Okay. I just, my, my whole thing is I just want to do cool shit. Right.
0: Yes. yes. So, I would say uh, epic shit. Like I want to do epic shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I, some of my biggest contracts I've ever had with uh, clients have been some of the most boring Um, campaigns right and i i call them sort of cut and paste campaigns where you've done this campaign a million times it's let's get 10 big name twitch streamers supported by 30 mid-tier twitch streamers to play this game on launch day right and it's just like yeah we can do that boring or you can have some of our look, I won't say small, but smaller um, than that uh, budgets with a client like uh, Warner Music, is one of my coolest clients that I, I get to work with. Mm-hmm. And they always come to me with, here's the problem. Here's the budget. Can you solve it? Nice. And I, one of my biggest philosophies in marketing is a good marketing strategy should start with a problem. Like you shouldn't just be going out to market with, here's a thing right what's the problem that this product is facing or what this game is facing what this brand is facing whatever like um warner music had this thing of uh they had a song coming out by an artist but this artist's whole strategy is he never announces songs they just drop right and he expects his fans and followers to Just listen to it. So the problem that they had was how do you market a song without being able to mention the artist or the song? And to me, that was like, that's a compelling problem, right? Mm. And they were like, we don't know what to do. We just know that this is going to have a cool crossover with gaming. Here's the budget. What do you suggest we do? And we built one of the most amazing campaigns from that. And basically, it's because that client is one of those clients that go, We don't understand this world. Go and do it for us, which gives me free reign to do epic shit.
0: Now, complete autonomy, which don't like, don't we all like, beg for autonomy and trust? Oh,
1: exactly. Like, I mean, yes, they have to sign things off, but Mm -hmm. if you can come to them with amazing creative they will let you they won't just let you run they will run beside you helping you enable the epic shit that you want to do so that was one of the cool campaigns that we did it ended up that one was actually skrillex's um comeback single and it was an amazing campaign we built this entire strategy on Twitch where uh, their people's Twitch streams were getting hacked and they had no idea who was hacking it. And then all of a sudden there was a countdown timer and then their viewers all started figuring out, hey, this other person that I watch on Twitch, they're having the same thing happen to their Twitch stream. And then you ended up all these people on Twitter and Instagram talking about, hey, this Things happening with like 10 different Twitch streamers. So the conversation started and then the countdown timer started, and the people online figured out that something was going to be happening on Twitch at this particular time that it counted down to. And all it was the debut of the single.
0: Interesting.
1: But the payoff was good because we made sure we got artists, I uh, got Twitch streamers who already had a crossover with EDM music and were already fans of that and stuff like that. But the cool thing about that campaign was the. Label or the client trusted us, but so did the Twitch streamers. We've got an amazing relationship with Twitch streamers, and they trusted us because they didn't know who, what they were. They didn't know who the artist was. They didn't know what the song was. So they they put full trust in us that the payoff for this campaign that they were working was going to be good.
0: Because you bring a certain level of credibility, yeah. and then the reaction is authentic.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So when they played the single, like we dropped, they we linked them the payoff, basically the video that they were going to have to play, like five minutes before they played it. So they had no idea what they were about to watch.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually awesome. I, I should link you. The, I, yeah. I should link you the article on I, it. I need to.
0: I would love to see that. So, yeah. so GGWP I. I would say most of my listeners know what that stands for, but not everybody. Will you educate us about what GGWP stands for and why it's like relevant to the gaming culture?
1: Yeah, so GGWP stands for good game, well played. Right at the end of a game, it's just a common thing that you'd type into a chat group chat or whatever with ggwp you know good game well played it's, it's just a common courtesy sort of thing it's either that or it gets shortened down to just gg but the reason it was chosen as the name for this company is when jack Garrett first founded the company she the whole thing was trying to build a better gaming community so when she was when we're training up uh, content creators to become uh better content creators and um uh being able to uh, create better content and become more professional, one of the whole uh, ethos behind what we do is we're not just educating them on how to be a streamer. We're educating them on how to be a better streamer Mm -hmm. as well. So it's everything from just being a better person on stream and helping uplift the community uh, to being great content creators, making sure that the content that is going out is you know, first, first in class. It's actually a, a phrase I use all the time is that we create first in class content creators. But the other part of it, which is I would argue for anyone who's worked on the marketing side of things will tell you that this is super important is we create content creators that don't just uh, create amazing content that's engaging with uh, audiences, that's beautiful to watch, that people love watching and engaging with. But we also train these guys to work to a brief, to create content that works really well with branded advertising and marketing that these guys know how to report data back. They know how important it is to report data back after they've uh, done a campaign with a brand. So we're teaching them how to work with brands as well as how to cater to an audience.
0: Yeah. How, I mean, basically, you're teaching them how do you tie who they are, their entity, their personal brand, and their well, channel to, to, mo- to, to anchor back to monetization.
1: Yeah, well we're taking these guys from being gamers to being self-sustaining businesses.
0: And and but, women.
1: But when I say guys, I mean in, in a general yeah. term. I apologize, but it no, is, no,
0: I just want to make sure like yeah, it's everybody.
1: These people to yeah, they they're creating businesses. They're yes. converting from being a gamer to uh all-encompassing business because these guys are these people uh content creators are more than just a streamer, right? They're their own PR people. They're their own branding team. They're their own editor. Um, they, uh, they're their own marketing agency. their their own production team. They do everything themselves. So they are a one-man business. When they first start, You know, eventually you get to a point where you can hire your editors and your graphic designers and stuff like that. But they're a one-person company.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, to draw a parallel, athletes in in the mid-2010s were dealing with this with their social media, right, mm. where no one's going to pay you to curate your social media until you curate your social media, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You have to lean in. You need to build it. You need to build your platform. People want to hear what you have to say. And honestly, once athletes, especially some of the top athletes, Started being consistent and intentional and deliberate with the content they were pushing out on their social media, then it became monetizable apart from getting a residual check from the team that they worked for, which is mind blowing. Like exactly that, right. that was a, a complete turning point. 2011, 2012 to 14 was was literally a huge digital wave of traditional athletes and entertainers monetizing their personal likeness through so- mm. social media and what we're seeing in in Twitch and other streaming platforms is if you're dedicated to build your brand and do it with consistency exactly and professionalism you have the ability to then again be a personal brand that is Monetizable, and there's a shift. There's a a, a a a shift in that tipping point of when you can hire a team to do that for you. But there's a runway. There's a long
1: time before it gets to it.
0: Really hard, hi buddy, to do that. It's a little puppy trying to get attention. Hi, <laughs> So I think like that's definitely. Where we are this moment of time, and everything happens in patterns. I, I talk about it a lot, like, because I'm old. So, like, I remember when you had to convince people that they need a website and then convince people of the power of social. And now I'm having conversations with traditional media in radio and television that it's not about how you refeed what you're doing into Twitch, but how do you. How, how do you create do
1: a separate you, experience? Eh?
0: Yes. Uh, like yeah. how do, it, it's like a, a dualistic approach. So hmm. make it transparent. If you're doing a radio show, at the same time you're recording audio, are you also feeding video live to Twitch on a Twitch channel? And then you can splice that out to VODs or wherever, wherever else you want to feed it. But you can't expect for Twitch to... Meld into your traditional linear approach. Exactly, they're the future. So, how are you going to change your methodologies in order to adapt to the future, and not wait for the future to respect? You know the legacy that you've built in traditional broadcast, right?
1: And then there's a lot of lessons to be learned at the moment because it's things that it's an evolving space. And I would actually say, like at the moment, it's not just a the platforms that are evolving and the way companies are using it, but companies are needing to learn how to evolve how they work with their talent when it, when it is a company like a sporting company and how they allow their talent to build their personal brands and do that separately from the company because it benefits both. Oh, should I mention the company by name? I won't. But there's a very big sporting company, American sporting company, who uh, recently made, I would argue, one of the biggest mistakes they could have. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world under their banner and they decided to pull all of their talent that were streaming on twitch in their own time and say basically you can't stream on twitch anymore if you're going to you have to share your profits that you make with us
0: insane
1: Dumb. it was a ridiculous um ridiculous decision for them to make because these guys spend all their lives in front of a camera putting their bodies on the line and building their personas on screen and making this company millions of dollars right and when they're on their own time and they're out of character or they're not doing something that they would be doing for that company. They're more approachable and they're actually building a more of a personal relationship with their audience, but mm-hmm. that benefits what they're doing in their professional life as well.
0: Right. right. So I've, they I've feed, that. I they mean, feed I've, each other. I've seen that in traditional sports. You know, when I worked in the NBA, I would see brands going directly to athletes. Like there was this paradigm shift, right. Where they're going directly to athletes and, and the team, if the team got wind of it, they wanted to squash it right away. They were like, no, 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 no. You have that brand come to us and we'll do a team deal and then we'll leverage you. And the players were like, well, they don't necessarily, they're not ready to work direct, like do a big team deal. They want this. Yeah. But- Nine times
1: out of 10, the businesses that are doing these one-on-one deals, mm-hmm. uh, ones that they don't have a $3 million budget to work with. A-
0: right. But if they can get the traction from this athlete and grow their brand, then chances
1: are in five years it'll time, it'll come they will later. Be able to
0: make their yeah, it'll yeah. come later, and it has. So, I mean, I know that I know that for a fact because I've seen it happen time and again. Yeah, and it's like I think what I really find interesting about the esports ecosystem as a whole, so gaming hmm. content creators, pro athletes, like holistically, is. It's less sports marketing and more entertainment slash digital marketing strategy.
1: It's oh, hundred percent And this is what I think a lot of people that are in the sports side of things can learn from esports and gaming is the fact that it's entertainment. Like yes. sports is entertainment. Like, yes, genuine sports, following the sports rules, blah, 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 blah. But People don't sit in front of the TV just to watch sports because they generally, most of them don't even play the sport, right? Right.
0: right. They're
1: sitting there to be entertained. Yep. Yep. And yeah, John, a-
0: Thomas, John Thomas, who played in the NBA for many years and is now in player development for the Minnesota Timberwolves, says something really interesting when he talks to the athletes and he will ask them, what their job is. And most of the time the young athletes on the team think that their job is to win games, but really what he tells them is your job is to sell tickets. And how do you sell tickets? It's by being a very strong entertainer. It's by being personable. It's yeah, about yeah. understanding who the brand partners are, on interacting with fans in in real life and online and and creating such a personal emotional connection with people mm-hmm either on or off the court, that they want to continue to come back.
1: There's there a reason is why football. American sports is more over the top than every other country in the world, right? Like football, you guys don't just score a touchdown. You don't oh, score a touchdown and walk yeah, away. Like, there's an entire, yeah, yeah. It's and it's entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Absolutely. I think American sports have done a great job of um, uh bringing those two worlds together, of of embracing the entertainment side of it. Whereas I come from New Zealand where we're a rugby nation, right? And it's not about entertainment at all. It's you go out there, you play a game and at the end you give an interview and you walk off the field. Uh, But the people that stand out that are the ones that get the big brand deals. They uh, are out there endorsing things, are the ones that stand out because they have created a personality on on the field anytime they're in front of a microphone or in front of a camera, and they're more entertaining. I mean, um, the first ever rugby player to get his own video game was a dude named Jonah Longu, And uh, there was... Wasn't called Rugby Two Thousand or whatever back on the PlayStation. It was Jonah Lomu Rugby, and the reason why is because he built this huge persona around himself. As basically, he was an All Black, right? And the All Blacks are known as being the greatest rugby team in the world. Okay. But he was more known than the All Blacks back then. Worldwide, it's- Jonah yeah. Lomu was like it's- a
0: machine. factor. Yeah, yeah. Which is a little bit, I mean, over the top, but. So, the Australian, New Zealand, that market, what do they call that? Is that like an oceanic market? What do you guys
1: call it? Uh, okay. In esports, it's known as oceanic because mm-hmm. it sort of encompasses Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands, and uh, some of the uh, South Asian uh, countries as well. Uh, and marketing, though, we come under two banners. So, there's ANZ, which is mm-hmm. just Australia, New Zealand, and then you've got APEC. Depends. Different countries have it, have it categorized differently. So if it's APAC, it's usually Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand.
0: So like Australia, New Zealand market, where you're primarily really leaning in heavily, what do you see key differentiators between that market that you're living and breathing every day and what's happening in the US market right now for Twitch streamers?
1: So the big thing that we have locally here different than say America is Americans stream for an American market, right? They get on, they don't really acknowledge the fact that there's viewers anywhere else. Same with the UK, UK people generally stream for a UK market because of our time zone difference. We can actually stream uh, at a time or our content creators can stream at a time where it crosses over between Australia, New Zealand, America, and the UK. So let's say someone goes live now, which is quarter past 2 p.m. They're just about to get the late night market in the U.S. And if they keep going streaming for another couple of hours, they're going to get the U.K. market who comes on. So we find people able to have, our our guys are able to build a way more global audience, uh, which has its pros and cons, right? So if you get someone who's focusing on, having more of a us uk audience because generally those are bigger audiences there's someone that you we wouldn't use for a smaller company if we're building a marketing campaign because their audience isn't here in australia so if it's a strictly australian brand right we can't utilize that person even though they may have the biggest numbers mm-hmm. those numbers aren't necessarily going to be here in australia whereas you get uh, some other people that and it's yeah, and then you get some content creators who focus entirely in this region. And uh, those were the ones that we sort of look at. The other big difference here is someone who would be at a partner status here in Australia would probably not be a partner status in America. And it's yeah. just because it's a big fish, smaller pond here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, someone can get partnered here with 5,000 followers.
0: What are you seeing from brands holistically that like, what are brands benefiting when they're working with, your influencers at GGWP, whether they're in your market or here in the US? Well, this
1: is the interesting thing about us, right? So we, we are a global company. We're doing stuff in the US, Asia, UK. We're currently doing a really big campaign in the UK at the moment. Um, but the m- most interesting thing about us as a company is uh, for our marketing side, which is the GGWP marketplace, um, we build campaigns for some of these big brands who instead of going for which you get two sort of things usually these big brands will they're normally looking for big names and our strategy is we also look after our up-and-comers as well but we've got a full strategy that actually proves that these guys are worth having on board because what you end up is a long tail of um, marketing so what we will generally build is a campaign that will have uh, big name headliners so we'll reach out to and we've got relationships with some of the biggest content creation houses um in the country not just in the country uh, in the world so we'll grab like one or two headliners big household name content creators and we'll have those guys sort of kick start or kick off a campaign and they'll generally work on this campaign for about a week But what we'll then do is we'll have our mid tier guys, which are all the guys that have come through on the GGWP platform, they've signed up, they've done the courses, they've connected all of their um, social media and their streaming platforms through to our system. And they've actually applied to be a part of this campaign through our marketplace. Um, These guys will sign up and they'll be getting paid to be a part of this campaign as well. So they're not doing it for free, but their part of the campaign will generally be longer. And the other thing, what we'll find is the mid tier content creators have a far more engaging audience because the audience have got a one-on-one relationship with these guys yeah. rather than the you likes of your doctor disrespect or your ninjas yeah. or whatever who their twitch streams going so fast they have no idea who's watching
0: right right yeah which i mean i see that too like i there's a big power in i mean, i guess what we would call stateside a micro influencer
1: yeah yeah we, might, we call it not- the
0: What do you call them there?
1: Yeah, we call them the same thing. They're the micro-influencer or even you get your nano-influencers as well.
0: Well, I mean, if you think of a brand like FaZe Clan or 100 Thieves, Mm. there's probably a lot of people that are following it because there's such a massive brand recognition. But how often are they going to engage with that brand versus somebody who feels like they have a personal connection with a specific streamer, a content creator that is engaging with them in real time, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, the most powerful thing about engaging with talent on Twitch and other platforms in the eSports ecosystem like Discord and even Reddit, right? The activity there. Um, Because you're a part of the conversation and when you're dealing with powerhouse brands. I mean, it's just not feasible that they're going to be able to engage with a larger volume of users when it comes Uh, to- 100%.
1: This is where I, I see the likes of FaZe Clan and the 100 Thieves. I think they're super important in the entire ecosystem, but mm-hmm. I feel like they're a lot like uh, a big TV show. Like, let's say, I don't know, what's a big TV show at the moment? Mandalorian, right? Let's okay. say if there was a sponsorship of the Mandalorian or whatever, uh, do you trust that brand? Because it sponsors the Mandalorian? I don't know. No, you probably wouldn't. Because yeah, two big yeah. brands coming together, right?
0: I mean, I would skip that ad. I mean, to be honest, if I'm watching the Mandalorian, I'm going to skip that ad because I'm not personally invested in what I'm watching with the Mandalorian. But if I know that I've been following an up and coming streamer, or 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 even in, in a traditional sports sense, sense, like following a rookie on a ball team and feeling yeah. really really connected to them, and they you know comment on your posts or follow you back on social, like. Yeah. I'm going to die on a cross for that person when they're doing things. And if they're saying that, if they're pushing a brand to me, I'm going to be more likely to support them because I know that brand and, is supporting somebody that I care about.
1: Exactly. And this is exactly where I was going, right? Is uh, I think those big brands are important for Um, they're almost the awareness, right? They're that first first touch of, here's this brand, we're working with them, they're awesome. But where your micro-influencers and your smaller guys come in is these are the ones that create brand loyalty because exactly what you said. They're supporting the content creator as well as the content creator being an advocate for that brand. And if you're an advocate for a brand, uh, your viewers are going to assume and... Assume that you trust that brand. And if you are a micro-influencer who's working with a brand, you should be trusting that brand. You should be doing your due diligence to make sure that um, that brand aligns with you personally.
0: And then I think it also comes to like, comes down to um, being really selective, which is another layer that content creators need to really think about
1: um, oh, 100% it, don't, take, be, don't take every single yes. deal that comes your way it, it has should to be
0: authentic be, to who you are right oh,
1: exactly I if, if somebody's sponsored by Alienware uh, for a year and then a year later all of a sudden is sponsored by Lenovo for example
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna say okay so did you actually like Alienware do you yeah. actually like Lenovo or have they just given you more money
0: right yep Right? Yeah.
1: So you do need to bring, and I think that long-term relationship is super important from a brand perspective and from a content creator perspective. Um, I always say to people when they're approaching their first brands is who's a brand that you are currently passionate about, like mm-hmm. that you love. Yep. Um, approach them because if you already love that brand, it means that what you're going to be putting out there is going to be 100% genuine. But in saying that, this is another mistake I see content creators do all the time is talk about a brand they love too much. Mm-hmm. because a good friend of mine did this with Monster Energy. He talked about Monster Energy every single week on his Twitter, on his Facebook, on
0: um, his Twitch fine. streams
1: and stuff. was not signed about with them at all. And he was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get sponsored by them. And I was like, okay, this is you want the truth bomb here? <laughs> if deep. I worked at Monster right now, I would not sponsor you. He was like, why? I go, you're doing it for free. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't have to pay. You're talking about my brand already. Why would I bother paying you?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I
1: might send you a free crate,
0: right? but I'd never pay you. That's a good point. And I mean, I've worked with athletes on the traditional side of the spectrum who they have made their platform about healthy eating and health and wellness, but then they've taken a quick cash check from like a fast food brand, right? Yeah. And when you do that, then everything about your health is
1: diminishing everything you've just done.
0: Like People are like, but you did the thing with the thing where you did the tweets yeah. and you just don't feel like that resonates with our brand at all. And then all the work you did to talk about working out and eating healthy and organic and all that just like went down the drain because you took a quick little bump in monetization that didn't align with your brand. So I think it's really important exactly. to like take the time to sit down and say, who am I? Yep. And what, like, what's my line in the sand? Because yep. it might be attractive to just do a Twitter post for 16k, um, or whatever it may be, depending on who you are and what your following is. But if it doesn't really align with what you believe your core values are, if, if you lack the integrity of that, then you're going to miss out on the bigger slice yep. of pie. Because then yep. you, yeah, you just got to get sucked down that route.
1: And the other thing as well is another piece of advice that I've given before because I've respected the hell out of uh, content creators who have done this is if you start a campaign, especially like, let's say you're promoting a video game and it's a new game, you start playing it and you all of a sudden you're like, I don't like this game. Right? Don't say it on stream. Don't go and send a tweet out saying, God, this game is terrible. But this is where you just quietly go to the people that have hired you to promote it and just say hey i'm not enjoying this game
0: Yeah,
1: i want to pull out can i please pull out of this campaign and
0: just, uh, i've
1: had it i've I had it happen to me it. with games numerous times where either one they just didn't like the game it just wasn't their style or b the game has come out and it was buggy or had issues right yeah. and if a content creator has come to me and said i'm not enjoying it can i please pull out i will let them pull out because I don't want them lying on stream because their viewers are going to see through it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I've I've actually sat on panels globally on gaming itself and game developers who have mm. said they've hired content creators to um, promote their game, mm. which created a ton of sales of the actual game but the types of followers the specific content creators have are like very trolly and negative. And so while they sold a lot of the actual game, the comments were so negative because the type of content that was being pushed out by the creator is Like you're saying, kind of like anti-everything they touch and so go all the trolls that follow them, that it just created a headache for their entire organization. Like, yeah, did we meet our financial goals? Yes. But did we lose key staff because they were so sick and tired of dealing with all of the drama from the user base that was downloading the game that just wanted to complain about every little aspect of said game? Not necessarily worth it. And this is
1: why it's so important, I believe, to work with someone like us at GGWP or any other gaming agency, right, is the people, we know the people we're working with.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. We're the ones that do the groundwork to make sure that this brand is aligned with the right people. Um, and you, if we pull together a strategy, we'll always make sure that, you know, there is alignment there and you're not going to have, we'll do these background checks to make sure that not just the content creators brand safe, but, you know, the audience is brand safe and as the well.
0: Audience. People forget the audience so often. Yeah. They're just like number of followers, but it's like, are they quality followers? Like what is exactly? This? Yeah. Do you really want to talk to these people? Are they really your people?
1: Exactly. Are these people even going to buy the game if it's Mm -hmm. a game, right? And that's another one which I find interesting is um, when, uh, and I've had this happen where a brand has come to me and said, hey, we want to promote our game using this content creator. Can you make that happen? I was like, absolutely, I can make that happen. However, you realize that this guy spends uh, nine out of 10 streams playing League of Legends. And they were like, yeah, 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 League of Legends but your game's nothing like League of Legends. No, no, no. But, you know, can, do you think if we pay him, he'll play it? Okay, absolutely, <laughs> he will play it. But yeah. League of Legends viewers will never buy your game because League of Legends viewers generally will only ever play League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. Right? right. Um, that, that hardcore audience of any game, if, whether it be Call of Duty or whatever, generally those people do not go outside of their comfort zone of what sort of game they play.
0: Yeah.
1: So you can't come to them and say, hey, I want to promote the new Peggle. You're never going to play it.
0: It's just not going to translate. I, okay. I, I, I even try to break that down for non-endemic brands as to where people are. Like from a, the differentiation between a PC gamer and a console gamer and a mobile gamer. Like the personalities and the and the type of of gamer within those three worlds is so different. And hundred percent. Depending on the type of brand you are, mm. your brand, it might even come down to the way that your product, if it's food, is is consumed.
1: Yeah. And this also comes down to the, is also the other choice, right? Is you want to get involved in gaming. Is content creators and Twitch streamers, are they the best avenue for you? Or is esports the right avenue for you? I've mm-hmm. talked people out of esports sponsorship because their product or their messaging or that audience is not going to be right for their product. Yeah. Um, and sometimes so, uh, it's just a
0: blanket digital marketing strategy that is maybe event related or app related or you know like it. it you don't necessarily need to do a sports marketing partnership or okay. an influencer partnership to have a voice in this industry.
1: Yeah, he's uh, actually a really good example actually, and this is one we did well, did with Lenovo. Shit would have been about five years ago. As we sponsored the esports team Tainted Minds, and our entire strategy behind this was Tainted Minds here, were the top uh, Call of Duty team in Australia. And we got questioned on it by Lenovo. They were like, Why are we sponsoring a um, game that is played on PlayStation? I was like, Here out my strategy PlayStation have paid millions of dollars. To put on that broadcast, to have their name be the Call of Duty Global Tournament, whatever it was called, brought to you by PlayStation, blah 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 blah. He was like, "Yep, go, all of those guys are gamers. Everyone who's watching is a gamer. Chances are, all of them are PC gamers as well. Just because Call of Duty is played professionally on PlayStation, that's only because PlayStation have paid for that." Um,
0: it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that a PC gamer is not playing that game.
1: No, exactly, right. But the other side of it is the fact that PlayStation have play, paid millions of dollars to uh, have that sponsorship where you're paying thousands, literally pennies on the dollar to have your logo front and center on their broadcast for longer than their logos on their broadcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it all comes down to reaching people where they already are in this in this demographic. Yeah.
1: And then, and, and that's exactly why I said. But the strategy is, I believe uh, there's still. I've got to do some research on this, but I believe it's still true. Is it's financially way better to sponsor an esports team than it is to sponsor a tournament?
0: Mm.
1: You get more content out of uh, a team because they're doing content twenty four seven, whereas a tournament is only going what three days at max, oh. maybe a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I really like a geo-targeting tactic. Like you don't have to sponsor the tournament. You know where the tournament is. You know the dates of the tournament. It's public. You know where it's located. Geo-target it and just push your existing ads into- Well, if you're
1: doing paid, if you're doing paid 100%.
0: It's easy. Yeah. That's easy. No one, like I won't say no one's doing that, but it's very, very few. People aren't necessarily talking about that, which is a very traditional paid digital strategy. But people are like, oh, we don't have a specific ad talking to this, whatever. But I was like, just show up in their feed, dude. Just show up in that feed. Like that's That matters too.
1: Yeah. And that's where the, why the importance of having an all-encompassing strategy is, right? So it's not just about influencers. It's no,
0: it's about influencers
1: you gotta- that uh, complements your paid strategy. If you can cross those over and have your influencers involved in your page strategy, yeah. <mwah> Beautiful. I love it when we get yeah. uh, a, a nice synergic uh, crossover as well. And then when you do events, these people are more recognizable when they're in your booth. It's mm-hmm. it's all of it like feeds into each other, and also you get loyalty. Listed. You get loyalty from the content creator if you're actually helping build that content creator up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you guys kind of sit so GGWP for our listeners really sits as kind of that deal maker between. The content creators globally and the brands that Correct. want to get, you know, whether it's a consumer product or or, or a service or other um, in front of that audience for each specific influencer. And you guys are targeting and putting together that strategy unique to each brand that you're working with and being very intentional and thoughtful about which right. influencers make the most sense for that brand.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, exactly what I was saying earlier is uh, we we build um, uh, unique, uh, creative concepts for each of them. Uh, like I said, some uh, some companies do come to us. They've already built the campaign, and they just want the right content creators. And we're more than happy to help with that too. Um, but uh, where we definitely excel is when you when a company comes to us and says, "We want to be in gaming. We want to do this right. We want to do it authentic." Uh, The amount of times we've had a company come to us who have already tried to do gaming and messed it up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they have waited a few months or waited a year and they've decided to come back. And what we do is we build that really authentic um, campaign. And it could be anything from an event, IRL live in person to uh, an online Twitch stream event. It could be multiple Twitch streamers. It could be a tournament. We recently did a tournament for EA where it was all content creators. It wasn't for a prize. It was just for glory and funny content.
0: I love that. So as as the business development manager, Hmm. if people want to connect with you and learn more about on either side, whether they're a content creator that really wants to get involved um, or they're a brand that wants to capitalize on the network that you've already built out underneath your umbrella, how do they reach you?
1: Um, I would say there's two ways. One, LinkedIn. You can hit me up on there, McCawson, Um, and I'm open to any DMs or content on there. People uh, quite often will hit me up there and that's where my conversations will start. Uh, and the other one is Twitter. Um, my Twitter is a free-for-all though, so you're going to have to wade through everything from me talking business to me talking about the latest pair of shoes I've bought or my opinion <laughs> on the latest Marvel movie. So, if you want to have a banter about all that stuff as well, more than welcome. But love yeah, hit, hit me up on both. It's, both of them are a free for all. And I'm a prolific online uh, social media user. So chances are, if you hit me up, I will get back to you within half an hour.
0: <laughs> I love that. And and your, your team's website?
1: Yeah. So you can hit up GGWP on all social media is at ggwpacademy. Uh, and then you've got uh, the website, which is ggwpacademy.com. Uh, and if you want to sign up for the app, uh, you can link just from the website. But yeah, app.ggwpacademy.com.
0: Amazing. And I love your logo.
1: Oh, it's an amazing logo, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's really, really cool. It's very dimensional. Yeah. It doesn't have a controller on it. Just awesome. Like
1: it. <laughs> it's got to be the actually my... my Company that I founded was based on a controller logo. So
0: <laughs> I don't mind controller logos. I just feel like they're kind of like overtaking a lot of the space right now.
1: Yeah. It's like the easy default.
0: Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. Well, thanks, Fed.
1: No, not a problem.
0: Enjoy your it's um for our listeners, it's about an hour past my bedtime. Uh, stateside in Minneapolis. And for FID, you're probably getting towards what second lunch, early first dinner.
1: My first lunch had turned up about half an hour into our interview. So um, <laughs> I'm going to be going over to going out and uh, eating my chicken katsu, which is probably half soggy now. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> your soggy chicken. Yeah. And have a great rest of your Tuesday. And I will catch up with you in the future.
1: Awesome. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks, Fit. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you sharing so much great insight.